0: Well, almost a year ago, I was sitting in my normal spot, which is right down here, and I was singing songs uh, to God and worshiping Him when one of the hospitality greeters uh, came up to me and they tapped me on the shoulder and they said there was a guy who came uh, to the front doors and he was very emotional and crying, and his wife had just filed for divorce. And he said, um, he gave his phone number and he handed me a piece of paper and said, I'd like you to, uh, he wanted to see if you would call him. Now, I'd love to say that I'm a super spiritual giant, and immediately I went to prayer and I go, Oh God. When would you like me to call him? Actually, what I did was I put that piece of paper in my jeans pocket, and when we got ready to wash, I took that out of the jean pocket, and I put that down on the bottom of my to-do list. And a couple days went by, and I called this guy. And he uh, answered the phone, and he said, hey, my name's Clint. And I would uh, like you. I would like to have breakfast with you. And I said okay. And so we set up a time to go meet at IHOP and have breakfast. And uh, to be honest, I was a little bit concerned going to breakfast because I didn't know this person. I didn't know who they were. You know, I didn't know if it was like a hit man. Uh, You know, coming to get me for some of the things I'd done in college uh, that were never prosecuted. Um, Or, you know, maybe this person found out like how horrible of a communicator I really am. And they were really hoping that Chuck or Derek were teaching on that Sunday. And so they just walked out. But I went ahead and I went to IHOP. And at IHOP they have this little lobby area and there's a little bench. And so I sit on the bench. And I was there before him, and I'm waiting on him, and I just, in a moment of prayer, said, God, however you want to use me, uh, I'm open to it. And just about the time I said, God, and I'm available, about that time, this guy walks up to me uh, in some khakis and a a blue long sleeve shirt, kind of a business casual, and he he came up and he said, hey, are you Chris, the pastor of the jar? And I said, yeah, I am. And he said, well, my name's Clint. And then they went and they seated us. And Clint was all excited and he had his eyes open. I was like this. I was like, whew. You know, I was glad it wasn't like some big Harley guy that was going to come up and be like, hey, I want to talk to you, you know. Me little pipsqueak Chris over here. Hey. You know? So we get to our table and then he just kind of started to unload about his life. And he told me that he was born into a cult, and his entire life he had been a part of this cult. And three years ago, he just started questioning things, thinking that this was not um, what he wanted to be about. And he would talk to his wife about it, and, and she wouldn't budge. And the reason was because her dad was one of the elders of this so-called church. And she didn't want to have anything to do with his perspective. And so he went on and on. And he said, finally, it hit rock bottom a few months ago when I went up to put my daughter to bed. And as I'm putting her to bed, she takes the covers and she pulls them down. And she says, Daddy... Why are you Satan's helper? And he said it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And, and I walked downstairs and I told my wife exactly what had happened. And she was silent and distant and didn't even think about what I had just said. And eventually she filed for divorce. And this man sitting in front of me, first time I've ever met him at IHOP, and he's telling me about the pain of losing his marriage and now the pain of not having the same amount of time with his kids. And, you know, during that first breakfast that I had with him, the only thing I did was I tried to be there for him, listen to him, and let him know that I was a friend that he could trust. So we set up a second Uh, breakfast, and we get together, and he begins the conversation by saying, I just got excommunicated from the church, and the church, and I said, excommunicated, he said, yeah, I'm I'm no longer allowed to go there, he said, I had to stand before the elders, one of which was my father-in-law, and they berated me about being Satan's helper, and eventually, um, They kicked me out of the church, and now I'm shunned by everybody. And when you're shunned by someone in this cult, no one can talk to you, all business, relationships, everything is taken away. And I was sitting in front of this guy, and I was just thinking, you know, he just lost his marriage. He's losing his kids. And now the only community that he had known for his entire life had been lost too. And so over the past year, we've been meeting monthly on these IHOP kind of uh, breakfasts. And uh, one time I invited him. uh, It's coming up here at our church uh, in just a little while to our family fun night at One Fun Farm. And if you have a person who is far from God or a friend or neighborhood kids or whatever, you should invite them because that's what I did with Clint. And Clint showed up and we... Walked around and we got to know each other and and we had fun uh, doing that. And then I invited him to a skating party. And he was a really good skater and I was the guy on the side that was doing the rail like this, you know. I mean, my kids skate better than me. It's really quite embarrassing. In fact, uh, last time we skated, Jordan said, Dad, you know they have those skates that they lock. Maybe they have them for adults. And I was like, seriously, you know. But we did the skating party together. And eventually, he actually came to church a couple of times. But he said uh, one of the biggest difficulties that his kids had is that they were never used to actually doing church uh, in a children's environment. They were always forced to sit on a hard bench for two hours. I'm like, I remember those days, you know. And I'm so glad my kids have a great experience, a a wonderful experience with our jar kids. And... um, And he started coming. And then we get this invitation out of the blue to go to his daughter's birthday party. And I didn't think too much about it, except, you know, typically you invite people to your birthday party. Like if you have a four-year-old, you know the etiquette is only invite four friends. And that should be like your top four people, like cousins, family, best friends. And I'm on this list. I'm like, I don't get this. Well, I found out that the cult that he was in, they didn't celebrate birthdays. His kids had never celebrated their own birthday before. And we get to Escapades, which is my second least favorite place, other than Chuck E. Cheese. I mean, because I think there is, like, viruses that grow. You know what I mean? But you have to go. You know what I mean? Like, when you get invited, so we take our kids to get, you know, infected. And... uh, a few other people bring their kids too. But we're like... I mean, seriously, there were four families that were there and two of them were his own family members and one was a friend that was way outside the church and then us. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, how how did we get invited to this? You know why, folks? Because people matter to God. People like really, really matter to God. And when they get around godly people who love them, they'll do anything to try to have a relationship with them. They'll invite you to escapades when you've only known them for a few months. Why? Because they really want friends. Well, our breakfast times continued. And I remember one time he... he He said, you know what, I feel like Pilate. Pilate was the king who put Jesus to uh, the cross. Eventually, he he allowed it to happen. Pilate stood before Jesus one time and he said, what is truth? And Clint told me, he said, I don't know what truth is. What is truth? And so I tried to explain to him that, that truth wasn't a philosophy. Truth wasn't an idea. Truth wasn't some grandiose thought of rules and regulations, what real truth is, is actually a person in Jesus who Jesus said, I am the way, the what? He said, I'm the truth. And I remember I remember him saying, I, I, I don't know this Jesus that you're talking about. I, I was never taught about this loving Jesus who was God's One and only son. I'm not sure who he is. And he said, now I don't know how to pray. We'll sit there and we pray for our breakfast each time. And he'll say, I don't know how to pray. Would you pray? Because he doesn't know who to pray to anymore. Is it God? Is it Allah? Is it Buddha? Is it Jesus? Who, Who do I pray to? And I just kept meeting with breakfast and developing a friendship. Another time he was sitting in front of me and he said, the only God I've ever known was a judgmental God who punished me and sent penalties to me when I didn't act a certain way. And the only way that he thought he could ever get close to God was that he had to do certain good works. That if he just did certain good works that the organization told him he had to do so many doors to knock on, so many things to do, that eventually he might... Be worthy enough to be in God's presence. And I remember on that day, and I've shared this with you guys before, but I remember on that day I told him, I said, you need to fire your God. You need to fire that God. Because that is not the God of the Bible. And it was in that moment that I said that. I was reminded of a passage of Scripture in Titus and let's read this out loud together. It'll come up on the side screens. Uh, let's read it out loud together. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. According to what? His mercy. His mercy that He saved us. I shared with him that a relationship with God was not about cleaning up your act or flying straight or, or being perfect. And I remember him looking at me when I said those words. He goes, you mean I don't have to have it all together? And I remember telling him, I said, Clint, look who you're looking at. I was like, no. It's not by works of righteousness which we've done, but it is by His grace, His mercy that we've been saved. You see, salvation is a gift, Clint. It's a gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it? You can't do anything to earn it. God simply loves you, clean, and if you turn to Him, He'll have a relationship. And He's usually a talker, and when I said that, He was just like this deafening silence. He's like, really? Like, someone as imperfect as me, He wants a relationship with? And it just hit me so hard that you know, he thought it was all about if I just do these certain things that that'll do it. And that wasn't it at all. And I said, yeah. I said, "Glint, the only kind of people that God loves are imperfect people. That's the only kind of people there are, folks. Some of you, you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Our spouses are, yeah, exactly. Some of your spouses are like, He's not talking about me right now. You know. <laughs> this past Wednesday, I met with Clint for uh, our, high, our uh, IHOP breakfast once a month that we do. And you know what, folks? He hasn't bowed the knee to Jesus. He hasn't made some big commitment of faith. But he's open to Christ. And I'll keep meeting with him for breakfasts as long as it takes. Until that moment where he says, you know what? Maybe since I can trust Chris, maybe I could trust the Jesus that he's talking about. And you know for this past year, folks, there's been many wonderful things that have happened in my life. But I'll tell you, I look forward to conversations with him. I love Clint. He's become one of my best friends. He's in San Antonio right now. And I said, hey, you know, I'm going to share this story. Ah, go ahead and share it. I said, well, pray for me. He goes, I don't know who to pray to, you know. But... And, uh... and he'll ask, he's really intelligent, and he'll ask questions. And I just sit there a lot of times, and I'm like, I have no idea. And so I just start praying, God, help. God, I need some help. He's a lot smarter than I am. I don't know. And a lot of times I tell them, I go, Clint, I don't know, I have to look, I have to research, I have to look, I don't know. But friends, I can't think of anything that has been more exciting in my life over this past year than to have conversations with people who are far from God. I mean, these conversations that I have are heaven and hell kind of conversations. I love conversations like that. And I want to ask you this morning, are you having some breakfast conversations with people who are far from God? Are you having conversations with broken, hurting people? Are you having conversations with friends and co-workers and neighbors? I mean, we're in the middle of a series right now called influence, and the whole point is, how can we leverage our influence so that people who are hurting and broken might be able to find the one who can heal all of their wounds? And there are many things that you can use your influence folks, your influence for folks, but the most important thing that you can use your influence for is taking people and reconciling them To God. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Now, some of you right now are like, ah, that was a good story. Glad you shared it, Chris. I like IHOP, you know. But you're really sitting back and you're like, oh, there's Pastor Boy again telling us that we need to have a friend, develop a friend that's far from God. Well, Pastor Boy, you can do that because you're a pro. You know how to do that. You get paid for it. And folks, I just want to encourage you today, don't listen to that lie. Don't listen to that lie because it's not true. God wants to use you and 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 everybody here to leverage your influence with friends, co-workers and families who are far from God. If you don't reach them, folks, no one else is. Billy Graham's not going to reach Him. Rick Warren's not going to reach Him. You know, do a whole bunch of other wonderful people, and then me way down at the bottom? Chris is not going to reach Him. If they get reached, guess who they're going to be reached by? You. God has put you in places to leverage influence. It's the ministry of reconciliation. You can do it. Scriptures tell us in Second Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Uh, Corinth, uh, this guy named Paul writes to, uh, he starts a church in Corinth, which is in present day Greece. He starts his church. And Corinth was kind of like Las Vegas. Whatever happens in Vegas, what? Vegas. Stays in Vegas, right? I mean, it just was like Vegas. And Paul's like, I'll start a church there. And so he starts a church there. And then he. Uh, goes away, and then he has to write back to him because they've kind of messed things up a little bit. And he says, you know, this reconciling people to God is really important. And so he writes back, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he says this, God who reconciled us to himself, through who? Through Christ. So it's not our human effort. It's not that if we fly straighter or act more, uh, if our behavior is more right, nobody gets to God by doing the right things, right? That's when you're supposed to say right. Or maybe you think that. If you do, that's a lie. You don't get closer to God by being more perfect or doing more right things. Because all of your rights, folks, will never come close to a holy God. So how did God reconcile us through Christ? He said, I'll send my Son to die upon the cross and He'll take on all of your junk and then you'll never have to fear that you can't have a relationship with God. But then this passage of Scripture, the really cool part goes, but God gave who? What's it say? It says, God gave... What's the next word? Us... The ministry of reconciliation. Okay, let's read it all together. God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So you know what that makes you guys? Ambassadors. Next time you're like with some people and they're like, hey, what do you do? I'm an ambassador. They'll be like, what? No, I'm an ambassador. I really am. I'm an ambassador of Christ. I try to help people get reconciled to Christ. Folks, every single person here has been given the ministry of reconciliation. You have been called. You have been asked by God to be a part of this ministry of reconciling people. Every morning you should wake up and you should say, among all the other things that I need to get done, and there are a lot of good things that you guys are doing, and you should feel good about it. But out of all of those things, the most important thing that you can do on any day is be a part of the ministry of reconciliation. Given to me by God so that I move around the world looking for people who need to be reconciled to God and I reach out and I help them any way that I can. Now there are different uh, categories of reconciliation. And the first one is this, relational reconciliation. Relational reconciliation. Now, you all know what this type of reconciliation looks like, right? Um, You know I can't draw, so Mikey draws for me. He really can't draw either, but he can do it graphically, okay? And so, you know what reconciliation looks like? It's a person who is sad. They are very, very unhappy. And then there is another person who is sad. And they are very, very unhappy. And they're in a relationship. And they are unhappy. Because they have irreconcilable differences. There's a couple I know in our church that they're edging towards divorce right now. And when I talked to them, I asked them, why don't you want to get reconciled? And they said, because we have irreconcilable differences. And I was like, wow, that's a big word. Irreconcilable. I'm not sure I could spell it, you know. Wow, irreconcilable. can't be reconciled. It's irreconcilable. But you know what happens sometimes is that you have these two unhappy people. We'll put them back up. And a third person comes in who is a little bit more spiritually mature. And they reach out and they take one of the person's hands. And then they reach out and take the other person's hand. And they what? They reconcile them. And when they get reconciled, then everybody becomes happy. And you can look at the drawings and say, oh, that's funny. Isn't it. But you've seen it in people's lives, haven't you? Maybe you've seen it in your own life. People who you think, no way. And then all of a sudden, somebody steps in who's a little bit closer in their spiritual journey than these two people, and they reach out and they take their hands and they say, hey, you guys can be reconciled. I think of a couple that uh, many of you know, uh, Jib and Kendall Baker. Jib and Kendall went through horrible pain and hurt and all kinds of drug abuse and all kinds of stuff in their relationship. And it seemed impossible that they would ever get reconciled. They got divorced. They were separated for over four years. And I'll never forget the Sunday where... I was teaching and I looked down over in this area, and Jib and Kendall are sitting right beside each other. And during the teaching, all of a sudden, one of them kind of takes the hand of the other one. I'm like, you guys are divorced. <laughs> like, you shouldn't be doing that. Shame on you. Hate each other. And they're, they're like holding hands. And I'm like, wow. And they kept working on their relationship, did a lot of counseling, did all kinds of stuff. And on February 17th of this year, I got a chance to go to their wedding. And we have a picture of them. And there are two kids who had gone through all of this. Look at them. They're smiling. They're, why? Because they were... Reconcile. Don't you love that? I, I look at this picture. I, 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 Jim and Kendall might be like, you're kind of weird, dude. I don't know. But I keep this on my computer because I, I never want to forget what God can do when people choose to surrender to Him and they're reconciled. Another category that uh, I've been a big proponent of uh, from the early days, and one that we lift up here often, is racial reconciliation. Racial reconciliation. About a year ago, uh, we went to two celebrations, which most of you know, and we needed a lot of volunteers. And so uh, I challenged some people, hey, can you help us with teardown? Which I'm asking you today, too, okay? If you can help with teardown. This is Fifth Sunday. You want know Fifth Sunday means? No one volunteers. So you got to volunteer today, okay? <coughs> but I was asking people to volunteer, and I was helping, and I had uh, a couple of signs, and everything was over, and I walk up the stairs, and I walk up, and there is my good friend, Curtis Bynum, who is a big Pittsburgh Pirate fan, and uh, if you're a Reds fan, you're going down because the Pirates are coming in, okay? And so Curtis is there. He's African-American, and uh, I said, hey, what's up, Curtis? He said, hey, what's up? And and he's talking to another African-American guy, and this guy, it was his first Sunday that he had ever been there before, and he was helping tear down. He still helps out. Great guy. And uh, all of a sudden, Stur- uh, Curtis starts talking, and he says, man, I'm so glad you're here today. He said, I just want you to know that from the very first day, my family and I have come to this church. We've always been welcomed. And they invited us to be a part of a small group, and we have a small group of people that we do life deeply with. And they're constantly reaching out to us. And I'm telling you, this church is an accepting church. It has really impacted our family. And he's talking to this other guy. First Sunday. And I'm over there like in the corner getting like red and like, ah, Curtis, I mean, I don't know if we're that good and, you know, geez, you know. But you know what Curtis was saying during this whole time? He was saying that this church values racial reconciliation. It values it. And we always will. There's another kind of reconciliation, though, that is called spiritual reconciliation. And this is where you're constantly walking around with your eyes open, looking to see someone who is far from God taking their hand and allowing their hand to be put into the hand of God's hand and have God and that person reconcile. We've been called to be a part of the ministry of reconciliation, and I just want to ask you guys this morning, how are you doing? How are you doing when it comes to having conversations with people are far from God. How's it going? Are you having a lot of those conversations? Have they kind of tapered down a little bit? Have you just kind of stalled out or you're going actually downhill and it's like the furthest thing from your mind? My administrative assistant, Jennifer, a couple of years ago uh, went through a real painful divorce. And her husband, Steve, was a great guy, but when Steve first started coming to the jar, he, he was more about Steve than he was God, but he just came to church because um, his wife worked on the staff. But eventually, he stopped coming, and the marriage got worse, and things got worse, and finally, they got a divorce. And I, I did not talk to Steve for almost a year, and I finally got a prompting one day, inviting him to celebrate recovery, which meets on Thursdays at 7. It changes people's lives. It's changed my life. If you got hurts, habits, or hang-ups, you should go there. And I just called him. I said, hey, I'll, uh, I'll pay for your gas because he was living in Winchester. I said, I'll pay for your gas. Uh, it's coming. And he came for a while, and then he just stopped coming. And finally, it hit me that if... Steve was going to get reconciled to God. It wasn't going to be because of Chris Bunch. Because think about it. It's a little bit weird if your ex-wife's boss is trying to get you reconciled to God, and he's a pastor. Just like a little bit, you know? Just a little bit. So we just kept praying, but there were a couple of guys in farmland who were really seriously about this ministry of reconciliation. And they loved Steve back into a relationship with Jesus. They knew he was messed up with some behaviors. They knew he had gone off the faith path. But that didn't bother them from having a relationship with Steve. They just kept loving him back. And he came back to Christ. And I'll never forget this Sunday. He walked through the doors. He and Jennifer still were not together. And he walked to the doors and he sat down. And his face was totally different. I mean, most of the time, he looked like he would take you out, you know? And all of a sudden, he's like smiling and everything. i like, what's up? And I just wondered, you know, what would have happened if these two guys from farmland would have never been a part of the ministry of reconciliation, and they didn't take it seriously. What if they wouldn't have taken it seriously? Fast forward, I'll tell you two things that wouldn't have happened. One thing is, Steve and Jennifer would have never got remarried, and we have a picture of their wedding day. They would have never got reconciled. These two guys from farmland wouldn't have done that. I I guarantee you it wouldn't have happened. And you know what else wouldn't have happened? Jennifer and Steve would have never had Lydia. So let me ask you something. Do you think spiritual reconciliation is important? you think people matter? I think it like really, really matters. Like I can't think of anything you should be doing in your life than taking opportunities to build relationships with people who are far from God and to help them be reconciled to the one who loves them. It really matters. There's a story in Mark chapter 8. Uh, Jesus has been teaching for a while. And uh, then this kind of remarkable miracle kind of takes place. In Mark chapter 8, this is what the text says Some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. We had, we, when he had spit on the man's eye, think about that. I almost wasn't gonna there's another translation they try to make it better, but this is really what the Greek says. He spit in his eyes. But let me ask you something. If you're blind I'd do anything. Spit. Throw mud on it. Whatever it takes. So he spit in his eyes, just put his hands on him, and Jesus asked him, then, do you see anything? And he looked and he said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. In other words, Jesus has to give this man a second touch. He gives him a second touch. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was, sight was restored, and he saw everything, what? 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 He saw everything clearly. I love this idea of how you can see people walking around like trees, but then all of a sudden you get a second touch from God, and you wind up seeing more what? Clearly. So let me ask you this morning. Are you seeing wayward people clearly? Clearly. For many of us this morning, if we were honest and we put a behavior up here on the screen that really... I was thinking about doing this, but I didn't want to offend too many people. But if we put a behavior up here and there's someone that's cussing and going off and all that kind of stuff, and you're sitting there, if you were honest, many of you would be repulsed by that. We listen to the language of other people... And we don't just condemn their language. What do we do? We condemn the person. We look at people with different lifestyles and we think, they are so messed up, how can I stay away from that? Because I want to. I want to be away from that. And we simply are not using the ministry of reconciliation because we are not looking at people the way that Jesus looks at people. Folks, Jesus had this incredible ability. I don't know how He did it, but He would look at people and even with their flaws and even with their failures and everything else, He looked beyond those to see the heart of a person that was starving and aching for the love of God. And then He simply said, I can love that person. Check this out as is. You ever go to a store before? They have that section, as is. There might be some flaw to it. You don't know what it is, but you take it, as is. And that's how, that's how Jesus takes everybody. He just says, as is. There's another time in Scripture in uh, John 4, story of the woman of the well. Jesus and the twelve disciples have walked all morning long. They're walking towards this well. And they're hungry and they're tired and they're thirsty. And there's a woman there and she's putting her bucket down trying to pull up some water and 13 guys are all walking towards this woman at the well. And 12 of them look at her and go, ugh! You see, later in the story we find out that she had been married five times, divorced five times, and she was shacking up with a sixth guy. And she had this look, I'm sure, of pain in her life. And 13 guys are walking towards her at the well. And the other 12 go, uh, let's keep walking. I'm hungry. Let's go to have lunch. Let's all get in our little Christian circle. Hello, Christian, Christian circle. Hello, hello my circle of Christians. And the twelve of them, that's what they do. They go to this restaurant. They sit down together. They're all followers of Jesus. Let's eat. We're hungry. We love each other. Jesus said, love each other. Jesus is the only one out of the thirteen that walks and he sees the woman. And he stops at the well and he begins a conversation. This is how the conversation went. There's water. Hey. See, you're pulling up some water. Yeah. It goes from water to her life to a spiritual conversation. And what happens? By the time the 12 guys who are having lunch together in town start walking towards the well, Jesus is almost at the point of loving the woman into a relationship with God. She's just about ready to cross the line of faith. Jesus saw the woman. I just want to ask you this morning... How do you see people? How do you see people? When you go to work and you see that guy, you know, everybody goes, that guy, who's obnoxious and, and overbearing, and you're just like, ugh, I don't even want to say that guy. Or how about, you know, in the cubicle, that woman over there. Oh, you know about that woman, don't you? I see women do this all the time. When they talk about that woman, they always put a hand up. You know that woman. Oh, and don't act all holy. No, I don't know what you're talking about. And you could care less where she spends eternity. You could care less. Folks, we have been reconciled by God through Christ, and we, out of all people, like we've been reconciled. At our dirtiest, darkest, ugliest part, we've been reconciled to God through Christ. And we, more than anyone else, should walk around, not blinded, but we should have clear vision to be able to see with clear lenses. Maybe some of us today, we just need that second touch from Jesus that the blind man had so that he could see not people walking around as trees, but he could see people as they really are. Let me share one more story with you before we wrap things up. It's in Luke chapter 5. Jesus comes to a point where he meets an extortioner, a crook. He was a tax collector, which basically what they did was they were IRS agents who took taxes from poor people, but then they added some interest on that poor people didn't know about, and then they pocketed that money themselves. And Jesus develops a relationship with an extortioner named Matthew. And this guy starts listening to Jesus and develops a friendship, and all of a sudden, Jesus loves him and speaks into his life, and Jesus helps him to the point where Matthew gets convicted to leave his current crook profession and to follow Jesus. And Matthew gets reconciled to God through Jesus. But a little time after that, Matthew's walking around, he's like, man, but look, there's like Joe and Frank and... Fred and Dan and, like, all these other tax-collecting buddies of mine, and I, I don't know if they're ever going to get it. And he's wondering, how can I help my buddies get to God? And so he kind of deduces, he comes up with a plan, he's like, I'm not a preacher, I can't do that, and I'm not a teacher, and no one wants me to work with money, you know, anymore. But you know one thing I'm really good at? I know how to throw a party. And I don't just mean any party, but a pate. I mean, back in my former life, when I had parties, everybody came. They are like, oh yeah, we're going to Matthew's tonight. And so what he does is, he throws this big, huge party. And he... Gets the best food, the best wine, gets all of his tax-collecting friends. And then he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Jesus now, and I'm going to see if Jesus and some of the disciples would come to the party too. And maybe they'll mix together, and they'll get connected, and, and you know, maybe they'll do this. And, and so he goes to Jesus, and, and Matthew's kind of like, I, you know, a little bashful. And he's, he's, he's like, Jesus, I'm going to throw this party, and it's of my tax-collecting friends that everybody in our culture hates. Would you go? And Jesus, true to His character, He's like, absolutely I'll go. Yeah, I want to go. And guess what? The other eleven are going too. They're not going to the lunchroom today to do their own thing. They are going to the party. And the night comes and everything goes great. Matthew's like, oh, this is wonderful. In fact, the text tells us that it was so good that not only the invited people show up, but there are some uninvited people that show up. In other words, there's party crashers. Jesus is like at a place where there's party crashers. And Jesus is like at the, you know, the punch bowl table and he's drinking something. He's like, hey, how's it going? And, and you know, James and John, they're doing their thing. And, and everything's going great, but there's a wrinkle in the story. Because the religious leaders show up later on And they confront Jesus and they walk right up to Him and they say, Hey, how could you be around some losers like this? How could you get mixed up with people like this? And it must have been so hard for Jesus to gracefully communicate to them, but that's the thing with Jesus, all people. All people matter to him. People matter to God. All people matter. He wasn't put off by the fact that some of the people were flubbed up, messed up, and screwed up at the party that he went to. And Jesus responds to these religious leaders by saying this. Let's read it out loud together. People who are well do not need a doctor, but only those who are sick. Jesus shows up and He says, Hey, I'm the great physician. And I've got a cure for some people in this place today. You see, I hang out with people who need the cure. And I was just wondering today, do you hang out with people who need the cure? Or do you walk by them? I wonder, when you walk around other people, do other people at your work in your neighborhood? Are they like, oh, that's that guy or that's that girl who recklessly loves people? And you're the first one to reach out your hand and to serve, to greet somebody, and you're constantly thinking, how can I take the hand of a wayward person and get it reconciled to a loving God? Because that's the ministry of reconciliation. And I honestly believe, folks, that what God's trying to do in the jar right now is to turn it up a notch of how we reach out to those who are disconnected from him. If you would, when you walked in today, you should have received a program, and uh, there's a card in it looks like this. Uh, If you don't have this, when you leave, there's a whole stack of programs. If you don't take them, you know what we do? We recycle them, so you take them home. But if you don't have this card, get one before you leave today. But on one side, it says the key to 3D living. And this is kind of our strategy of how we reach people who are far from God. First of all, we develop friendships, stay intentional about rubbing shoulders with people who are far from God. Secondly, discover stories. It is important to understand people's stories before trying to engage in spiritual talks. And then finally, discern next steps. Think and pray about a simple way you can begin to have influence in a person's life. Folks, when you live in 3D, when you're filled with the love of God, that's when you know you're living in 3D. And you see people as Jesus sees people. You look at their obvious flaws and their problems and you're like, I'm not put off by that. I can look beyond their past. I don't have to be overwhelmed by their behavior. I want to look into the heart of people differently. I I want to look at the potential that if, if their heart was filled with the love of God, what could they potentially do? Now, if you flip over the card to the other side, this is what I want to give you today is a few coaching tips. And I was trying to think how we would kind of uh, end this, and it went well on the first celebration, so I'm thinking it was God's idea and probably not mine. Um, But some of you have a, a son or a daughter or a friend or a family member or a co-worker who you know is hurting. They are far from God and God's placed it upon you to somehow reach out and to touch their lives. And I just want to challenge you today with this that if you want to leverage your influence and get better at doing that, I'm just going to invite you to stand. If you don't want to stand, you don't have to, but if you want to leverage your influence in somebody's life today, just go ahead and stand. So uh, if you do that now. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a couple of coaching tips. The first one is this. Wake up each morning and say, God, I'm available if you would like to use me to reconcile people to you. I'm available. That's all you got to say. I'm available. The best way I know I'll do that. I know I'm going to not do it perfectly, I'm going to stumble. I'm going to mess up. I won't have answers to questions. But I know you'll help me. So you pray each morning. God, help me to be a reconciler of people. Here's the second thing. Walk daily. Walk daily toward people who are walking away from God. I don't know how more clearly to say it than to to say it. You walk toward People who are walking away from God. And why do you do that? Because they need you. They need your love. They need your patience. They need your listening. They need you. Most people who are far from God really ain't liking where they're at to begin with. Some of you know that. You're here today because you didn't like where you were at. And somehow, somebody loved you enough to say, come. They just don't know how to turn it around. And you could be the turning force. A 180, God's counting on you. Here's the third tip. Withstand the temptation to give up. Never give up on people. Never stop praying for people. Never give up on your one, one one person, whoever that is. Never give up on a lost family member or a friend or a neighbor. Don't give up on people. The thief on the cross is hours from the end of his life. Jesus is barely able to even breathe. And people matter to Jesus so much that He turns to the thief on the cross just before He dies and says, Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Don't ever give up on anybody. Right? Much better. Now I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. And um, if you've given up on somebody... I'd encourage you to come up to saying, you know what, man, I gave up on whoever it is. And that they would pray for you to say, you give them the name and you say, hey, I'm going to pray that you'll have the courage to not give up. And I was saying about today, maybe some of you are here and you need to be reconciled to God. You're like, man, I, I get what Matthew was going through. That's the woman at the well, I I need to be reconciled today. Or maybe there's just some area in your life. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a relationship you have with one of your kids. Um, maybe it's a relationship with a friend. You need to be reconciled today. Maybe you need to be reconciled because you got some racist thoughts in your head. You come to church and you do everything, but the reality is that You need that to go. And you could just say today, you know what? I want that gone today. But if you need reconciled in some area of your life, I wouldn't leave today without coming to Tom or to Cindy and saying, could you pray for that to happen? So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being in our presence today do your reconciliation work. Wherever we need to be reconciled or if we need to reconcile with some other people, God, would you show that to us? Help us, God, not to be put off by hurting broken people. Give us a second touch today like you did the blind man so that we might see people like you do, Jesus. And if today you're sitting there and you're like, wow, I want to be reconciled. I just invite you to pray this prayer silently um, to God, but just silently after me. Jesus Christ, come into my life. Point me in the right direction. I want to learn to love you and trust you and follow you. I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sins. Reconcile me to you. I want to go your way and not my own. So come Holy Spirit right now, move in people's lives. Pour your forgiveness, your love and grace. And show us that you really are for us and that you know what our full potential is. I pray this in Jesus' name. Have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. If you're new, guest connections. And if you're going to help with Teardown, give us 10 minutes or so. That would be awesome. Thanks so much. Have a great day.